Happy Easter, everybody. Good news for you. There's no podium for me to preach from. Don't get too excited. No, it's great to have you here. My name is James. I'm one of the elders here at Church in the City. Uh, just love to serve in leading this church. And uh, it is great, great, great to have you with us. If you're visiting, uh, or if this is your church home, or maybe you've been visiting for a while, happy Resurrection Sunday. We are so honored that you've, that you've joined us. Everybody found parking okay? I know that was a little bit of an adventure. He is risen, but has he found parking, right? I don't know. So I was thinking, as I've been praying about uh, what to do on Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday, along with Christmas, has got to be probably, within the church at least, one of the most scripted Sundays of the year. Very religious Sunday. Um, churches get filled up. Houses of worship get filled up. And it's kind of, it's kind of a rote act, if we're not careful, Right? So I thought to myself as I was praying about what, what, what to celebrate today, how, how do we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, the true historical fact of God the Father raising God the Son from the dead, victorious over death on our behalf. How do we celebrate that? And I thought I could preach, and I don't mind preaching, <laughs> but I thought, you know, God has been doing such amazing things within the family of church in the city, miraculous things. The gospel going forth, people in our city coming to know Jesus for the first time, healing, restoration in families, restoration emotionally, uh, physical healing, things going forth that are all, all find their roots back in the victorious resurrection of Jesus. So I thought, why don't we have a day where we take a Sunday again and share some testimonies of what God is doing? And so that's what we're going to celebrate today. We're going to have some testimonies of what God is doing in our city, what God has been doing in relationships, what God has been doing miraculously in our midst. And I've asked a few people as well to share a little bit about their testimony about how they came to know Jesus. And you'll see some people up on this stage who have known Jesus for a short time. You'll see some people up on this stage who have known Jesus for a long time. And I just want to invite us to not kick back and, and say, oh good, I don't have to you know, open my Bible anywhere or whatever today. This is all rooted back in a celebration of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And I can't think of, honestly, a better way to celebrate him on Easter than to have people standing up here declaring the risen Jesus works in my life and I know him intimately. He is the good shepherd. I know his voice. He is with me. He can be with you. And I want to say to you today, if you're, if you're joining us and, and you don't know Jesus as your savior, as the Bible says, I just want to invite you to listen and take an opportunity to get to know and get a picture of this Jesus Christ that we'll be sharing about today. Is that Okay. So the people that I've asked to share don't know what order I'm asking them to share in. The first ones know. I want to invite Gary and Candace. Come on up. But so can we just, can we just honor the guys who are going to come up and share? There's, there's five or six people. Some of, us, some of us knuckleheaded people like to get up and talk in, in front of people. Most people don't. So let's really give these guys honor. If you guys don't know this couple, they're awesome. Gary and Candace um, and their family, along with Joel and Lane, just are an amazing blessing to know. And um, I'm not going to make you feel too uncomfortable by gushing about you up here, but that's, that's our heart. And, and you, you guys are just such an amazing blessing, the way you love Jesus, but mostly the way that you take that love for Jesus and you don't sit on it. 
you, you are compelled to share that love of Jesus with others. So can I ask you guys both to kind of give us a little bit of a, of a context of what went on about a week and a half ago, and, um, and then also just share about the goodness of Jesus as to, uh, as to what he did, and, and then we'll invite some others to do the same. So I'm going to sit over here, and you guys do your thing. Okay, thanks, James. Um, so one of the really awesome things is that um, when Jesus went to the cross, um, he went there as a king. And that means something, because he came into his kingdom. And we have the distinct privilege, Candace and I and a team of people, of taking that kingdom into the marketplace on a day-to-day basis and saying, what would happen if we stepped into that kingdom and looked at some of the things Jesus says about setting the captives free and healing the brokenhearted and healing the sick and raising the dead and all kinds of stuff like that. And like James was just saying, we get to step in and say, yes, he's risen, and that matters, um, and it matters to what we're doing. And so it's in that heart that we go out into businesses um, and social service organizations and schools with just bringing the kingdom of God and saying, let's take him in his word and step into this place. So a week and a half ago, we had the opportunity of um, taking a week off work, um, and a bunch of the, my team here and from a few other churches as well that are on the team, as well as a group from California came out. We spent the week going into different businesses and throughout the city and praying. I was up here making some announcements about that prior to that. But there are so many cool testimonies um, that came out of that, um, and just so many good things of seeing, of seeing the Lord work. And um, when James, and so we, we prayed for 35 businesses, we, we, we prayed over the city on train rides, we walked around, we, um, we prayed, I think, for over 100 people outside of the businesses, just in the city. We saw, we saw um, uh, physical healings, we saw relational people, things brought back together relationally. Um, we saw people come into a, a fresh knowledge and a new knowledge of who Jesus is. It was just an incredible, incredible time. So when James asked me to come up and share this, I said, this is really cool because he said, you have 35 minutes. And I'm like, that's awesome because I can share so much. And then James said, hold on a second, Gary, you've got three to five minutes. And I'm like, oh, okay. Can- Candace has 35 minutes. Candace has 35. <laughs> so anyway, I've already used up about 2.6 of those, but, um, <laughs> So I have to pick one out of a whole bunch of really cool things. The one I'd like to share from that week was a story of a woman who owns a small business, a consultancy business. And, she, and we went in to pray for her. So this is a business setting. And um, I said, we usually say, what are your hopes and dreams? Or a lot of times. And she started saying, you know, my business is growing and, and then it'll, it'll like go down and, and it'll come back up. But it never really can get over the hump. It never really can succeed. And, you know, I find some of that same stuff in my personal life, in relationships. It's just like they start going someplace and then they don't. And what becomes evident there, she's not talking about her hopes and dreams. She's talking about her problems. And I said, okay, but what are your hopes and dreams? And she said, she stopped. She said, I'd like to make things beautiful. And it's like, that's awesome. And so what, the first thing is saying, oh, let's do like prophetic declarations about who you are and all that kind of stuff. But the Lord is really laying on the team's prayer team's heart to say there's some things that you probably are believing that don't come from God. So let's just ask Father God, what are some lies that are there? What are some things that I'm believing that aren't really true? And the things that were coming out were things like, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, and a whole bunch of other things like that. And so we just had her go in there and say, just renounce those. Just say, that's not true. I renounce those things as lies. And just like God gave us Jesus in exchange for everything, he gives words and truth in exchange for those things. And we said, what's true? Ask Father God what's true in this situation. And this woman stopped for a second and started smiling. And she goes, I am worthy. I am loved. And 
God gave her something because it's a personal thing. I won't share what it is. And her mind gave her an image, which was which was spectacular. And then we could pray and do some things at the end. And at the end of that, her testimony to us was, I'm beautiful, and I can create beautiful things. And that's the kingdom in business. Yeah, awesome. Good morning. I'm hoping my voice is not too big of a distraction. What's left of it? Um, As part of the week, we had the opportunity to go into a social service organization who um, provides support for kids that are at risk for their families and just really love on them um, through Jesus. And one of the parts of the time there is we got to pray for staff. And we've kind of formed, they had a lot of people they wanted to come in, so we formed little groups around the room. And um, I think it was Claire and Gary and I were in a group, and a lady came and sat down and... um, we just, she, it was like we were supposed to only have five or ten minutes with a person. And so we just started praying for her and listening to what the Lord had for her, how he saw her, his, just speaking her, his love for her over her. And um, it was really sweet. She smiled and hugged us when we were done, and, and the next person sat down. And later that evening, we learned that from a staff person that's a friend of hers that she had come into the room that day um, questioning whether or not God was real, was real. And through the prayer time, through the words that the Lord gave us and the way he saw her, his heart for her, it spoke directly to two things that she had been speaking about in the last 24 hours. And it just totally reset her to know his love and his heart and that he is real. Um, and it just was so powerful to see what he how he wants to speak to people and to be able to enter into that with um, with her and f- with the organization. And just coming out of that time um, on the train ride back, I just felt like the Father was giving me this real sense of of me and each of us that we have this this place that it's the true place that we are, but we can forget it, that we are in this shadow, like this protection of his wing and in that place, everything that's true in the kingdom um, can be realized. His goodness, his power, his love. And there's nothing in the city. There's, I mean, there's a lot of things that we can see that seem insurmountable. But none of that is true in his eyes. He loves the city more than we do. He loves us. He, he is so for transformation of us, of our families, of our city. And there's this invitation to, to stay in that place, in, in that shadow, in that, in that place in his wing, and live in what is the reality of the kingdom. So I just want to pray and declare um, with you, Father, we say yes yeah. to your goodness, to your power, and to your love, and to this invitation to live out our true selves not looking at the things around us that seem too big, but to you and to your hopes and dreams for us and our families Mm. and our cities and to just walk into your kingdom, into transformation, into freedom. And in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. You know, you know, uh, Someone who's dead doesn't, doesn't inspire that.
devotion, discipleship, following. A dead king doesn't do that. Jesus is risen and is, in, and is moving in power and is Lord over this city. And I just, I'm, I'm so excited for, for what Gary and Candace are, are building alongside their family, alongside the people, uh, alongside Church in the City and who they partner with. And I, I just want to tell you, this couple is a testimony couple. If you've got five or 50 minutes, pull them aside. Uh, they, they're, they're, the, Jesus and what he is doing is always first on their lips. So you will have to like ask them how their day is going to get them to, to stop talking about Jesus. So Colleen Fee, why don't you come up? Uh, Colleen, uh, also, yeah, here I am trying to talk, and you want to clap for Colleen. What's happening? So um, Colleen also has uh, something amazing to share that, that took place uh, uh, the week before last as well. So please share about the goodness of God. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I am on the shoulder-to-shoulder team, and uh, when Gary, he emailed our team and said, you know, do you know any... Uh, businesses that you you think would want to partake in this this special week of praying, um, and immediately a good friend of mine uh, who does not uh, declare Jesus to be the Lord over her life uh, came to mind, and this friend is a very special woman, and I I actually had nicknamed her to her face the Light of the World <laughs> because she's just an incredible woman. I just I just knew the Lord, had just incredible things for her. Um, so I, I invited her in, and, you know, she was a little, a little nervous, a little unsure what to expect, but uh, she came in, and, and as we started listening to the Lord and praying for her and prophesying over her, the team immediately picked up on some of her very unique and very special gifts, especially her ability to... Um, make people feel loved in really significant ways. And it was incredible for me because she and I are sharing glances like, how do they know this? And I'm like, I know, it's so great. Like, this is from the Lord, it's so good. Um, And then, kind of in the middle of the prayer time, there was a shift when the team started really speaking to the way that God sees her and telling her, you know, and and to tell someone this who has never heard this before is such an honor that Jesus sees you as his daughter and he loves you right now just as you are and he accepts you and she that really spoke deeply to her and she um you know became very very emotional and very moved by that um and then so someone in the group asked her if she would um like to pray a prayer um, of repentance and to accept God's grace and love. And um, so she did, and it was, it was really beautiful. And uh, then we prayed, yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, yeah, and so then afterwards, I'm sitting with her, and she was just like overwhelmed and so just filled to overflowing. And she kept saying, you know, like that, the, that word, like acceptance, acceptance. It's, it's so beautiful. That's so good. And then, uh, and she was saying like, I've never felt more alive than I do right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and on her way out, she said, you know, everyone should do this. Like this could change, <laughs> this could change the whole world. I was like, I know it's so <laughs> wonderful. So it was an incredible testimony, um, and yeah, yeah, that's all. <laughs> that's awesome. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. I've, I've always said, 
Well, I haven't always said, but I'll say it now. Um, that new believers have the best theology. The whole world should meet Jesus. The whole world should meet Jesus. Lane, where are you? Lane Kloppenstein, come on up. Yeah. I just want to say, as someone who preaches here regularly, you do not get this applause when you come up on stage. It's fine. It's, but you guys again. Lane, uh, Lane also um, has something personal to share as well, and uh, just thank her for, for, the, for risking and stepping out and sharing this uh, from, from the week as well, please. Awesome. Well, I'm so honored to be able to share this testimony with you all. Um, about a week ago, I was at a worship dinner, just kind of hangout night, and I was sitting on a couch minding my own business, and a friend came over, and he just felt prompted without me asking to put his hands over me and just pray for a release of voice, for healing of um, my speech, and just freedom to sing and laugh and shout and scream as much as I wanted to. And instantly, it was like a pop rock or fizzy candy went off in my throat, and I could feel things shifting and moving and falling away. So let me back up and explain why that was so so significant to me in that moment. Um, About 10 years ago, my voice sounded like a lifelong smoker who screamed all day. And I was, there were nodes on my vocal cords, and the doctors said the only way to take care of it was surgery. So I tried that. It was not successful. They were temporarily fixed, but they're like, you're always going to struggle with this. It's always going to be weak. And that was the case. I had a very limited singing range. Um, I struggled to speak, and I do a lot of things where I need to project my voice, youth group, sailing. And it was always a struggle to be heard and a struggle just to, like, conserve my voice. So when my friend... um, Well, and it was also, it was just a part of me, though. It wasn't like a sore shoulder or foot that I knew was not me. It was just part of me and part of how who I was, but I hated it. I really disliked my voice. So when my friend just came over and randomly decided to pray over me, I could feel my vocal cords getting um, new. I have no doubt that I have a new set of vocal cords, and I am still breaking them in. Um, Yeah, my family's enjoying loud singing all over the house now. (laughs) But for me, this is just a testimony of God's incredible love. He knew desires of my heart that I couldn't have articulated. I couldn't even ask for that. And he prompted someone to come and release that over me and bring the healing that I couldn't even ask for. And I've seen this. I mean, that God is in our city. And he, I've seen time and time again him speak to the hopes and desires of people. From a businessman who comes in and wants business strategy, he walks out with family reconciliation, to a homeless person asking for a couple dollars and walks away knowing their identity and that they are seen and known by God. Mm. It's absolutely incredible. God is bringing dreams to life. Mm. And so I also wanted to offer, if that resonated with you, if you feel like there are dreams you've put on the shelf or you don't even know what to dream, I would be honored to pray with you after the service. And I know there's other people up here too that will be praying. So yeah, thank you for letting me share. Awesome. Just uh, if I can tack on a a quick personal testimony, Um, Lane and some of the folks who were in last week um, that were just going into businesses also took the opportunity to pray over church in the city. Um, And I got to be sort of the physical beneficiary of that Um, and and recorded and just just hear what they were um, just blessing us with and what God, some of what God was giving them to prophesy over us as a church and just um, not, not for our glory or our importance uh, but for God's glory and his fame in our city. And they also asked if they could pray for me physically, if I had physical pain. And, and um, you know, one of the things that I, uh, much like Lane, have sh- 
not struggled with, but it's just always been true my whole life, uh, was that my right leg was a little shorter than my left leg, and it kind of threw off my balance a little. And you know when that, or uh, your alignment, and you know when you have one thing that's wrong, it kind of works its way up. You start compensating everywhere, and so my right hip would always be sore because I'd sink into it and everything. And they just asked, you know, can we pray for your leg? And right there at 1040 West Huron, um, as the team laid hands on my leg and, and we began to pray, uh, my leg physically grew about three-quarters of an inch. I watched it happen with my own eyes uh, as the Lord just lengthened my leg. I stood up. I stood up and uh, experienced at the age of 35 uh, what it is like to have both feet on the ground, same length. <laughs> um, and, and it's been amazing ever since. And I've felt uh, just as just the goodness of God in just as the one area that was off kilter began to affect everything else, the healing that is in one area begins to affect everywhere else. And there's a different trajectory now of, of, of things being differently aligned. And I've actually stood in the shower or stood, uh, gotten up out of bed, and I still takes my breath away sometimes. I know it may seem little, but I'm like, it used to be feet would hit the floor left, right. <laughs> and now they hit the floor. <laughs> Um, but it's just amazing, the goodness of God. Again, not a distant God. Not a God who is cosmic and removed. You see, the heart, of, the heart of the story of God in us all throughout Scripture, from the opening in, in the Bible in Genesis to the very end in Revelation, is a God who has created us to intimately and personally know him. And I just want to back up for a second, because that's a statement to easily disqualify yourself from. Don't. God has intimately and, and wonderfully created you to know him, to know him. And the reality that, of what scripture also tells us is that for us to know God requires us to be holy like God. Holy, that means perfect, without blemish, without shortfall, without shortcoming. And the reality from scripture that we see from the Bible is that there's no one like that. There's no one like that. And the Bible calls that sin. When we are unholy in any shape or form, big, small, John preached on this uh, on Friday night, Good Friday, uh, from the smallest white lie to the biggest capital crime, sin is prevalent in all of our hearts. And, by, and the Bible says that uh, not only are all sinful, but that the wages, the price, the, the, the return for that is separation from God and death. Yet God created us to be intimately and wonderfully known by him. And so when we, when we have people come up and share about a personal God who is speaking and moving in the moment, it's not, it's not a parlor trick. It's the heart of God. It's the heart of God made possible by God the Father sending God the Son, Jesus, to be fully man, fully here on earth with us, to then live sinlessly, no sin, and then to receive what the Bible says is the price of sin, which is death, only to be raised victorious. Not just a taker of death, a beater of death, a conqueror of death. And that victory, the Bible says that that victory, the power that God used God the Father used to raise Jesus from the dead is present in those of us who believe in Jesus by God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one, present in us, that same power. So when someone says, I'm going into, uh, when Colleen says, uh, I, I, 
my, my friend comes and she's receiving prayer. It's not a, it's not a self-help exercise. It's not the fourth step in a seven-step thing. It's, hey, can I come introduce you to the true living God who wants to know you intimately and who you can know intimately yourself? So if I can shift in the sharing a little bit, I've invited some people to share about how they came to know Jesus as, their, as the Bible says, as their Lord and Savior. Chris Q. Why don't you come up and start? Yeah, I know. Again, with the clapping. <laughs> and, and again, I just want to honor, I just want to honor the people that are, that are sharing. Um, because what I've asked them to do is, is come and share how they met Jesus. And there is no bad story of how anybody met Jesus. Some of, some of us have known Jesus, like I said, for years. Others Others in this room, maybe you don't know him right now. So I just, I just want to invite you to just listen to these people uh, talk about how they came to know Jesus as their Savior. Chris. James. Um, my, my testimony is more about after coming to know Jesus. Sorry, James. That's good, man. <laughs> Candace, Candace didn't use all of her 35 minutes, so you can. So you I came to know thing. Jesus when I was 10. And it was just a, at a, it was at a service. I heard a, a gospel be preached, and I went up, and I just said, yes, to the Lord. But then the uh, scripture, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life abundant. That was what just kept resonating in me, but I wasn't ever seeing it. And I was like, God, what is this? Why is this not the life? You've, if you were the one that like brought me from death to life what is going on and why am I not seeing it and I feel like the Lord's given me insight just in the last few years I feel like uh, for me personally he would give me I think we're we're prophetic people here and we get words from the Lord and try to uh, steward them in such a way as uh, the best I could say that I would do in the past was make goals out, the, out of them and try to accomplish these prophetic utterings on my own. And uh, it was death to me, honestly. Mm. It, was, uh, it was inspiring me to go after the things of the Lord, but I was trying to accomplish them all on my own. The Lord gave me a picture this morning of a bull, uh, uh, like an animal, a bull, that had blinders on and was in a hallway where the light was at the end of the hallway. And every time I got this prophetic word, I would run into the wall. And then I'd be asking, all right, Lord, give me another word. And so I'd run into another wall. And I'd be like, God, what is going on? Hmm. And uh, recently, uh, within the last four years, I just felt like the Lord was saying, rest. You need to rest. And I felt like today, uh, it's Resurrection Sunday. And the Lord says, uh, when you're tired, I will give you rest. So I was tired of hitting the walls and try to accomplish these God-given things on my own. And uh, I had probably 15 different people when I first came back from the Marine Corps basically say, I don't know why, but I was praying for you, and God said you're supposed to rest. <laughs> so, 
I, I don't know if it was evident or what. I had just come back from Afghanistan and uh, just was pretty worn out with trying to uh, make things happen on my own. Um, so in the midst of the rest, I realized there were these intense desires that were God-given, but I was trying to outwork him without outwork them without him. And what the Lord has been showing me and revealing to me that he's brought a body, a family, mm. to outwork these things together in a safe place, in a community where he says, give it another shot. Try it again. But do it with my spirit. Do it with me. Like, I will be there for you. I am the one that provides rest. Mm. And John 17, 3 said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And I felt that was significant in the fact that um, it's not something where we go and get experience this eternal life, this abundant life one day. As, as Gary and Candace were saying, it's here, it's now. Yeah, good. And it's all in the relationship. The relationship of one another and the relationship that we get to experience with God. And I think he's, uh, those intense desires, I think in the past, like the two for me were significance and belonging. And they fought against each other. It was like, all I wanted to do was be significant and all I wanted to do was belong. And I had a uh, very personal, vulnerable thing. Uh, I had a couple really uh, wonderful women in my 20s I could have married. And I said no because I wanted to go after significance. I I shut it down. But now that the the Father is showing me how to like walk this thing out in safety, in love, in communion, he's actually creating that fire even more. And he's like, let's go. Let's run. Let's do this together. And let's do this in community. It's incredible okay, what he wants for you. It's incredible what he wants for all of us. So, yeah. Let's go after those desires with him and have that abundant life. Awesome. Thanks, Thank you. Um, I've always said these are, these are my best sermons. This is, just, this is some of my best work. Mel. Would you come? If you don't know Mel, you need to know Mel. Thanks so much. Mel is not American, as you will hear in just a moment. And she has, she has let me know Americans are weird. I completely concur. But uh, would you please share a little? exposing me. <laughs> would you share a little about uh, how you came to know Jesus? Sure. Morning, everyone. Um, now that he's exposed me. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was born and raised in East London. Um, so, I actually grew up in a household whereby my parents didn't, well, my dad didn't believe in God. Um, my mum was like, hmm, give or take, whatever. He, I guess he exists. And I guess I, it just wasn't really talked about much. And um, I think I came from a really tough childhood it was filled with like a lot of violence and abuse um and so I just at the time you think it's normal you think everyone's household is just as dysfunctional as yours and so I just didn't really question it 
And then I had an auntie who came to live with us for a year, and she basically told me about God. And I was like, who's, who's that? Who's God? And she was like, you know, she taught me how to pray. At the time, my prayers were, please don't let me wet the bed, Lord, because, you know, you start off small. And, um, <laughs> I mean, my faith was building. And, um, <laughs> and I, I, I just was like, okay, this is a God who looks after me. He's going to help me. I'm not quite sure who he is, but... He sounds cool. And then, basically, there was a, my dad left the house when I was six. He came back when I was eight years old. And I found out that he was selling crack cocaine. Um, how an eight-year-old finds that out, I don't know. But they made it very clear because they were cooking it in the house. Um, me and my sister had to clean it up with vinegar because that was the only thing that didn't leave a trace. Um, and it was, it, I mean, I was so used to it that I, I was able to, like, oh, eight grams, that's 25,000 quid, dad. And I'd like start counting the money. I was like, just counting it. That's where I learned how to uh, do maths, really. Um, I was like, yes, I'm excelling in class because I can count money. But um, it, was, it was just one of those things that made, my, um, made me feel like my dad was proud of me because he was like, oh, excellent. You know, you're starting to understand, great. And I just really wanted his approval. Um, and it was, it was tough. Because you want your dad's approval, but you know that there's something not quite right with the scenario. Um, we also used to have a lot of drug lords coming in and out of the house. So that created a lot of fear in me because I didn't know who these guys were. I just knew that they were selling drugs with my dad. Um, and it was just a scary situation. Um, and there was times whereby basically a drug deal would go wrong and... Um, we'd have to run out of the house because there'll be threats on our lives. And so my dad would be like, get your shoes on, we're going out, we'll be back in an hour or so when things are cleared. And all that time, I just felt like God was, I did feel like God was with me. Um, I didn't know him still, but I just, I felt like him comforting me and buffeting me in his, just his arms and just holding on to me and saying, hold on, it's okay. Mm. Um, and then the following, when I turned 11, um, me and my sister um, sleeping, enjoying life, and my parents had left the house, um, and these blokes, sorry guys, came to the door um, and said that they wanted to check our gas, and my sister was like, sorry, my parents aren't in, I've got to, you know, shut the door. The guy put his foot in the door and whistled, and two other guys joined him and dragged my sister to the living room, um, and I woke up to her screams, and I was like, please God, what is happening? And I ran to the living room and saw that one of the guys was gonna, about to sexually assault my sister. And um, I, I just, I, I must have startled him because he didn't expect there to be two people. So he tries to tie us up and put us in my mum and dad's room. And, um, and the other guy's like rummaging through my parents' room saying, I know, I know it's here, I know the drugs are here, I know that your parents sell drugs. To... And we're basically like, we have no idea what you're talking about. We did. But we're like, no, we don't know. Mm. And... Um, the guy, one of the guy, has my sister up against the wall, um, and trying to choke her, and she's like scratching at his glove. I just remember, like everything slows down, slow motion, and you're just like, what is happening? And my sister speaks to me in my language, which is called Tree. My parents are from Ghana, and um, says, "Go next door, run, get help." And I'm like, I can't. Are you? Do you see what I'm seeing? I'm not leaving you here. Um, but I, she says, no, go. And so I make a run for it. And um, the, one of the guys pulls me back by my afro. I had a lot more hair back then. And um, he pulls me back and he puts a gun to my head and says, if you move, I'll 
I'll kill you. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to argue with that. And um, basically, they just continue screaming and shouting at us. And then he pushes me onto the bed, pushes my sister onto the bed. And they just run out. This is 10 a.m. This is, we've seen their faces as clear as day. But they did not harm us. I know some people are like, mm, you sure they didn't harm me? Yes, there was a lot of emotional and psychological damage. But we were like, wait this is miraculous, we're literally alive after seeing their faces, they've had weapons, and they didn't touch us. Um, and we were like, wait, this is God, like, we are alive, and we are well, I was 11, this is my 11-year-old thinking, I was like, I'm alive, Jesus must have saved me. And um, so the following week, we went to church, we were like, we need to know this God, because this God saved us, this God comforted us in our time of need, this God really, like, I don't, I don't even understand it. So we started going to church, but obviously, I know this is longer than three think, to five minutes, but hey-ho. So, I'm, I'm right here. And um, basically, our parents weren't happy about us going to church. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, they weren't really churchgoers, and they were like, mm, I don't know about them churches, you know, because they're going to brainwash you. And I was like... Um, I mean, I was like, I don't know about that, parents, but we'll see. Like, let me just go to church. They're like, oh, you should go to the club one week and you should go to church the other week. You know, have some fun. Because they started taking us to clubs when I was nine years old, by the way. Um, So we basically were like trying to fight against our parents and try to carve out our own relationship with God in that time. And then the following year, my parents were arrested. It turns out that the forensics had traced the crack in our house when we were attacked, and they were just waiting for a chance to basically convict our parents. Um, and they ended up having to serve three and three to three and a half years each. They missed my whole, most of my secondary school education or high school education. Um, and in that time, funnily enough, that was I had a great time. I know it sounds strange, but it was the time whereby I was able to really forge my relationship with God because I didn't, I, they weren't there to, to dictate how I should live my life and whether I should go to church or not. Um, and that was when God was like, come, pursue me. I'm opening my arms to you. I, I want to know you more. Um, and so I didn't actually feel alone. I didn't feel um, abandoned by God I, I felt actually quite accepted and loved and pursued through all of that. I felt like he was closer than ever. Um, I had a great church community. I had my sister and I were both pursuing God. Um, and it was just basically like his little love story for me. Like when you were six, you didn't know who I was. You were praying about wetting the bed. And now you're here um, just really chasing after me and knowing me and he was like I comfort all those who mourn and I'll give you beauty for ashes so I'll make all the things that were rubbish into beautiful things like that was a hard situation but I had so much joy through it all um obviously there were hard times let me not get started on those but it was um one of those things where I just truly felt God's presence um so when my parents were released it was it was tough again but and my relationship was so ingrained with God at that point mm. that it didn't shake me. Like, me and God were tight, and I heard his voice every day, and I would seek his face every day. And so it was just, and he continues to pursue me every day. And um, it's, just, it's just nice to know that there's a God who, who sees you in all your situations and sees you in all that you're going through. And he's like, I'm here. Like, whatever you're going through, I'm here. And it's yeah. like someone saying 
about the truth in the situation. Was that you, Gary or Candice? Um, there were loads of lies that the enemy tried to plant in those times, like you're not worth it, your parents didn't care, da 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 da. And God was like, I'm here, I'm your father, I love you, I care, I, I, I'm here for you, I will not let you go, do not be dis- dis- dismayed, do not be discouraged. I am with you to the very end of age. And so I just wanted to encourage everyone to know that God sees you through all your situations, through everything you're going through, no matter how hard it is. And whether you feel him there or not, promise you, at six years old, I had no idea who he was, but he was there. Wow. So, blessings. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you, Mel. Do you guys have one more in you? Yeah, Nancy Heish. Come on up. Nancy. Yeah. Just different people, regular people, meeting the God of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ. Cancel your brunch plans. We're just going to do this for the next two hours. Start thinking of your testimony. You're after Nancy. Well, Mel, it's hard to follow that story, but bless you. Mm. Uh, When James asked me to give a testimony about how I came to know Jesus, I began to think of the people and events that have marked my spiritual journey. And I thought, well, there are probably at least a thousand of them. Mm. Um, I have a long testimony, so I said to him, maybe I'll be up here for 30 minutes because I'm probably older than anybody here. My faith walk has been probably longer than any of you have been born. So so I'm going to go on and on and on and on. I'm going to tell you three of the memories that come up first to me. The first one, my first memory of even beginning to know about Jesus was as a teenager in a Methodist church camp. And I was kneeling at the front altar on a Friday night candlelight candlelight communion service. And I didn't really have any language for what happened. But I now I would say it was the breath of God on my heart. My second memory is a couple of years later, right before I went to college, I was lifeguarding at a 4-H camp. And my roommate had a magazine from InterVarsity Christian Fellowship on her bedside table. I asked her if I could read it. And when I read it, I remembered that candlelight service at the church camp. And I thought, "Mm, that's the breath of God again. Um, So I went to Indiana University. And during orientation, I was determined to find the InterVarsity table. So I found the table. I signed up. I started going to meetings. I went to prayer meetings and Bible studies, but I didn't really know Jesus. I thought I knew Jesus, and I certainly thought I was a Christian, but after, when I, be, when I knew Jesus, I knew that back then I didn't know Jesus. I knew about him, I, but I didn't experience him as a presence in my life. I had a head knowledge about little bit about God, a little bit about Jesus, and a little bit about the Bible. So fast forward a few years, I'm married, I have a baby, and uh, we moved to Cleveland, uh, where my husband's going to go to medical school. And the first summer we were there, he had a job as a lifeguard, and we met this wonderful young family, 
I had one, we had one little girl, and they had five children, and they were so nice to us, and they loved on us. We were new in the city, and then they asked us to go to their Baptist church. Well, we were Methodists. (laughs) (laughs) But they also asked us to go to Grandma Lydia's house for dinner after church, and that signed the deal. (laughs) So (laughs) we went to church with them. The pastor read a familiar verse from the Bible. God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life. And then he said, this unforgettable statement that if I were the only person in the whole world in all of creation ever that Jesus would die for me and shed his blood on the cross because he loves me so much. That message was preached to several hundred people that morning, but I knew it was for me. This time it was not the breath of God, it was a powerful burning in my heart. And I heard Jesus say, Nancy, I love you. He called my name. Nancy, I love you. And that was the beginning of my knowing Jesus as a presence in my life. I've I've known Jesus kind of like Chris. Now I'm going to go. This is is the rest of my life. I've, I've known Jesus that, that breath of God and that, that powerful fire of God in my heart through a lot of everything works together for good, makes you more like Jesus, kind of everything. I know him as a friend and as a comfort through two marriages and deaths of both husbands, of several children and death of children. I've known him as a lavish gift giver in times of abundance. I've known him as a provider and healer in times of desperate brokenness. I know him as a husband and father and grandfather for my children and grandchildren who have taken me to the highest highs and the lowest lows. Just wait. (laughs) Really, I look at all of you sometimes and I think, just wait. Wow. (laughs) I'm available for consultation. (laughs) I've known him as a faithful lover when I've run away and come back I know Jesus as my wisdom my source of joy and strength and peace and truth he's Jesus the altogether lovely one Jesus our king of kings and lord of lords Amen.
You know, when John preached uh, on Good Friday a couple of nights ago, and he talked about the thief on the cross, and maybe you've never read this part of the Bible, and, or, or if you have, you know, when Jesus is he's being crucified, and he's, um, he's close to death, and there's two other men being crucified with him, and they're criminals. They're deservingly getting the punishment that they deserve, and one of them mocks Jesus for who Jesus said that he was, the Son of God, and the other thief says... He rebukes, he, he shuts down the guy who's mocking Jesus, and he says, you don't get it, do you? you don't, we're getting what we deserve, but this man is not getting what he deserves. And, he had, and that, that thief had this limited, young, incomplete, fledgling understanding that there was something about Jesus. There was something about Jesus And then he asks something that is completely sacrilegious, audacious, uncalled for, and undeserving. It's appalling what this thief says to Jesus. He knows that they're all three about to die. And he, as best he could, I don't know, looks Jesus in the eye or gets Jesus' attention. And he says, Jesus, will you remember me when you go into your kingdom? What an appalling thing to say. How dare he? How dare he? In that moment of his life, next to Jesus, who he realizes, he comes to a realization, this is the son of God. And I'm breaths away after an abhorrent life by any standard, dying an abhorrent death, and he has the gall to look at Jesus and say, can I, can I, can I be in the family of God? Can I, can I be in the family of God? I got to tell you, if I'm in Jesus' position, the anger that rises in me says, listen to yourself. Who do you think you are? And Jesus, Jesus says, you will be with me in paradise. The story of Jesus, the man Jesus Christ, is an invitation from God. It's an invitation to know him personally. And you may be sitting here today and you may have a fledgling, piecemeal understanding of this. And you may be sitting here hearing some of these things for the first time and going, I don't, I feel like I need to get this and I just don't. Let me say this. The Bible says that we can know God, be in relationship with God. By confessing, that is expressing our belief in Jesus Christ, his son. What an audacious thing for God to give. And the Bible says that it's free. Can't be earned. Can't be accomplished. Can't be um, deserved. It's just free because of the work that Jesus has done. So free that that thief in that moment, Jesus says, family of God right now. And what have we seen today but the family of God? There's nothing magical up here. I literally emailed some people and said, I know you know Jesus. Can you, you want to come share about it? And I could send 50, 60, 100 more emails and the family of God would come up and, and share about knowing Jesus. 
So if you don't, if you don't, if you've never expressed belief, faith in Jesus Christ, I want to simply invite you to do something bold. I'm not, I'm not saying you have to join church in the city. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not asking you to come be a part of a religion. I'm not asking you to come be a part of a process of following rules or checking boxes or putting another layer of pressure on your life. You haven't heard pressure up here today. You've heard freedom. A freedom that can't be manufactured. It can only be received. And so I just want to invite you to do something bold. If that's you and you've never, you've never as Nancy said, you've never had that moment where you say, I know Jesus. If you've never, as Chris shared, had that moment where you realize this is the family of God and I'm invited, or that moment as Mel shared, God is with me. He's always, he's always been with me. I've never been alone. I want to invite you to raise your hand just to be bold. I know that's, I know that's not something we often do in our culture, but just to raise your hand and say, can I receive that? And I want to pray with you right here. There's no pressure. There's no scrutiny. We're not looking side-eye at you. This is the family of God. And the free gift of God is salvation by Jesus Christ. Is there anyone today who would raise their hand and say, that's me. I want to receive that today. I just want to make it available in this moment. Come and join the family of God. We're going to pray. And we're going to celebrate communion, taking the bread and the cup and end our time together. Celebrating the sacrifice and the fullness of the victory of Jesus. Nancy, would you come and and play? Can we bow our heads? Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, how we celebrate your victory What can we say at your goodness, God, but that we marvel at you? We marvel at you, God. That in our darkness and separation from you, just like that thief on the cross who was, who we, we, we walk in and we sit in the, the, the brokenness that we fully deserve, God. But instead, you, as your word says, so loved the world not so condemned the world, not so needed to set the world straight. You so loved the world that you sent your son, Jesus. And Jesus, that you took on what is deserved from our sinfulness, from our separation from you. And you took on death and you rose again so that all who believe in you may have eternal life. And like you said, have life abundantly as it was shared today. Not not heaven one day, although we rejoice in that but full relationship with you today. What can we say but we worship you? What can we say but we are fools for you, Jesus? Forsaking the world, no matter what may be put on us, no matter what may be said of us, we know you are God and King and Savior and Lord and one true God over all. And we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. In your name, we celebrate you today. We say to you, Lord, happy Easter. Thank you for for raising again and beating death. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.